Hi, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, April 20th, 2020, and I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here, as always, talking some Penn State football. And even though there wasn't a spring game this weekend, there was some good stuff to take out of the weekend with a new depth chart for the for the roster moving forward, a new commitment to the class of 2021. Penn State did put out the virtual spring game experience and had some fun with that. We'll talk about all of that in today's episode, and we're also going to begin taking a look at the upcoming schedule for Penn State as we break down the entire schedule into three segments throughout the week. We're going to talk about four games today, the first four games of the season, as we begin our schedule analysis series of this week on Locked On Nittany Lions. Make sure you never miss a single episode by subscribing in your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. You can even tell your home smart devices to play us on the tuned in app. And of course, we want you to be a part of the show at any time by submitting your questions and your comments, and we'll include them in an upcoming episode. Reach out to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany to get the, that taken care of. And of course, you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And don't forget to check out our Instagram account at Instagram.com slash LockedOnNittany. So again, lots of stuff to get into in today's episode, so let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get started. We're going to get started today with a new update for the class of 2021 that came over the weekend. Penn State picking up the commitment of three-star cornerback out of Connecticut, Jeffrey Davis, 6'0", 170 pounds. Brings Penn State's recruiting class up to eight members in the class of 2021. Still pretty heavy on the defensive side so far, at least uh, with the recent run of commitments that have been coming into Penn State over the last couple of weeks. It's been a pretty solid week of production for Penn State on the recruiting trail with addressing some of the needs on the defensive side of the football. And this is another defensive back secondary position that's being uh, thrown into the mix. So Jeffrey Davis, we'll see where he fits into the equation in the years to come. But this is a nice new addition to the recruiting class as they continue to bode pretty well. Uh, you'll see if you look at the 24-7 uh, uh, composite rankings on 247sports.com, they are currently the number 15 class in the country. That, that's been kind of running stable now since this recent run of recruits that have been coming in. Obviously, uh, still a significant gap between Penn State and you know, the number one team in the country right now as far as the recruiting rankings are concerned, Ohio State. But, you know, that was always sort of to be expected because Ohio State just continues to recruit at such a high level. But you see Penn State is certainly uh, rising in those rankings and they're starting to catch up and close some ground on some of the other Big Ten teams that they're still currently positioned behind, but still projected to finish ahead of when all is said and done on the recruiting trail. You see Rutgers and Iowa are a couple of teams that are still ahead of Penn State. I don't anticipate that those schools will stay ahead of the Nittany Lions when the recruiting rankings are finalized. Uh, at the end of the recruiting cycle. But uh, again, nice little pickup for Penn State, adding some more depth to the cornerback position. And, uh, you know, there's nothing really negative to say here. Obviously, you know, Penn State has been getting some good recruits lately, and they have a need to improve some of the, the defensive depth positions. So this is uh, certainly nothing that I'm going to take uh, anything away negatively uh, as far as Penn State's concerned. Again, I don't follow the recruiting all that closely around this time of year, and I pay much more closer attention to it when it comes to being around those national signing days. 
But from my point of view, as I'm sitting here right now, I see no real reason to be too concerned about where Penn State's recruiting is right now. So if you take a look at this, uh, the, the latest depth chart that was released by Penn State, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in our next segment, you see that there are uh, there's a good number of seniors that are playing in secondary positions this uh, upcoming season. So obviously you have a need to fill some of those roster spots moving forward. Again, we'll talk about the depth chart in, in the next segment, but adding uh, Jeffrey Davis, who was, I believe offered if, if I read correctly that he was offered a uh, late last season uh, before a game against Indiana. And that was uh, really the kind of the deciding factor, I think, as far as his, as his recruiting process was concerned, because that really kind of elevated Penn State on his mind. And once that offer was out there, it was very likely it looks as though that he was going to be committing to Penn State. So assuming that nothing changes between now and the National Signing Day, when those national letters of intent are officially sent in, submitted, signed and delivered, uh, it does look like uh, Jeffrey Davis will be a Penn State Nittany Lion in the class of 2021. Again, up to eight commits in the class of 2021 right now. Uh, Pretty, pretty well focused on the offensive, or I'm sorry, the defensive side of the football right now. Uh, so we'll see where Penn State goes from here. And obviously, the the spring game is a good time to get some uh, recruiting action going. And I think without a without a spring game to have uh, recruits come to the campus and the stadium and check out the spring game atmosphere. It kind of hurts, but again, this is a situation that every school is going through right now, so it doesn't necessarily put Penn State behind the bar compared to some other programs. Uh, we, we do know that the NCAA uh, restriction on in-person visits and in-person recruiting efforts is still on lockdown now until the end of May, May 31st. At, for now, we'll see what happens if the NCAA uh, revisits that and maybe revises that timeline Moving forward, as we continue to monitor everything that's been going on now with the coronavirus and how it's impacting the world of sports. But again, good news out of the recruiting trail for Penn State over the weekend. Would you have liked to have seen more? Of course you would have. But uh, given the, the recent couple of weeks for Penn State on the recruiting side of things, things seem to be pretty stabilized right now. So I don't think that there's really uh, a whole lot negative to say about where Penn State is recruiting. But speaking of, the virtual spring game was put on by Penn State or a virtual tailgate experience. And I didn't participate in it over the weekend, but I got a chance to see how it was uh, conducted and how it was received. And I think given the circumstances, I think there was a lot of uh, positive commentary and feedback from it from what I've seen. And I thought it was pretty cool because, you know, everybody's uh, getting into these video conference calls right now, friends and family from all over. And it's a good way to stay in touch and still see face to face communication going on. Uh, as much as you can call that face-to-face. -face. So what they did was uh, Penn State put out, uh, you know, I guess, a database where you register your virtual tailgate with all your friends and family. And some tailgate parties would get some special guests. And uh, I saw one where Matt McGloin was a, a guest into a, calling into one of those virtual tailgates. And, you know, I'm sure, I don't know who else was doing these uh, surprise pop-ins, but I think that's a great idea. I, I thought that was a fantastic way to go about it. And you know, look around the country and see how every school is kind of adjusting to not being able to have a traditional spring game. And every school has some different ideas. I know Nebraska, I think, was putting out a, a, a simulated game on, on NCAA football using classic rosters and classic players. That was pretty cool. I think Penn State did a pretty good job of having that virtual tailgate experience. And that seems like a pretty neat idea, having some uh, surprise guests call in to those conference calls. Very cool idea. Again, given the circumstances, you have to be creative. And I think Penn State did a pretty decent job of that. 
The Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special is officially underway. Be sure to check out the Mock Draft every day this week on Locked On NFL. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow Locked On NFL on Spotify. So there was no spring game for the Penn State Nittany Lions this year due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and it basically shutting down all athletic competitions and athletic events. We knew that for a while, but that still was an opportunity on over the weekend for Penn State to release a spring depth chart, give us something to talk about, and they certainly gave us something to talk about for a little bit of time at least. Now, I should note that I'm not going to go overboard with breaking down the depth chart right now because, as it's even noted on the depth chart, with the lack of spring practices and no spring game, there wasn't really room to put in you know, this starter or this starter, you know, listing on the depth chart, the, the letter, the word or suggesting that there are position battles to be made. So a lot of the depth chart is pretty standard and straightforward and it carries over as much as possible from the depth chart you would have seen from the end of last season. Obviously, bumping up players that were playing backup roles to players that are leaving the program, whether through transfer or just graduation. So you see a lot of uh, you know players just being bumped up in that sense. There really wasn't a whole lot, I think, to really take from the release of this spring depth chart but the fun thing to talk about was certainly taking a look at, well, two things, really. Uh, first of all, for the first depth chart that was released on Saturday had linebacker Micah Parsons listed as the top kickoff returner. Uh, that certainly wowed a lot of people. And I think it suggested that maybe Penn State is already thinking about making Micah Parsons a strong candidate for the Lombardi Award, which is awarded to the, the most versatile player in college football. This is an award that Saquon Barkley won a few years back, if you recall. Uh, so certainly uh, having one of your all-American caliber linebackers returning kickoffs certainly is going to raise some eyebrows. Well, unfortunately, it was a little short-lived because within the next couple of hours, Penn State released an updated spring depth chart, and we saw that Micah Parsons was knocked off of the top spot as kickoff returner and listed as the top off returner. So it's kind of makes it like it's a, an alternate uh, kickoff return option, certainly not the, the primary uh, kickoff returner. But it was fun to talk about, at least for a couple of hours. And it was certainly, uh, whether that was planned or not, I'm a little skeptical because it certainly gained a lot of buzz in the brief time on college football Twitter on a Saturday with no college football to talk about as far as spring games, because this was supposed to be a big weekend for spring football games uh, on the schedule. The middle of April usually is. Uh, Penn State and I think Nebraska, I think Florida State too, but a number of schools we're supposed to have their spring games uh, this past Saturday. So it was going to be a battle to find something to talk about. And I think uh, the, the release of Penn State's depth chart certainly got a lot of people talking and not just people on Penn State Twitter. I know uh, my buddy Zach, who writes for footballscoop.com as well as college football talk on NBC Sports, uh, he, he, he made sure to put out a story uh, commenting on Micah Parsons as the top uh, kickoff returner as well. So it was fun while it lasted. Uh, Penn State quickly uh, put the kibosh on that one, and Michael Parsons had some fun with that on Twitter, <laughs> you know, showing some uh, displeasure, playful displeasure, in not being able to last a full day as the top kickoff return. You know what? I would not be surprised if we see it at some point. Uh, I still highly advise against it because I don't think you want to put your best defensive player in that kind of a position to risk injury. Look, I'm not saying he can't return kicks, and I'm not saying he shouldn't return a kick at some point. I would like to see it, but I don't think you can 
I don't think you can logically move forward into your season when you have so many other options available to to return kicks. I don't think you want to put your star linebacker in that kind of a position. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, you know, unless he's got blazing fast speed for uh, the length of the field, and I'm not saying he doesn't. He's certainly faster than me. But I just I just don't think you logically want to put your 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 top players uh, on the defensive side or really even on the offensive side of the ball, most likely in those kind of positions. Uh, I know, you know when the roster was a little thinner uh, a few years back, I remember who was the linebacker that Penn State was using. Was it Grant Haley? I, I don't remember who it was that was returning kicks, uh, at least briefly. I, I didn't like it then, but I understood it then. I don't think you need to do it now. You've got a much more well-rounded roster overall, so I think you can definitely find other options there. Uh, Journey Brown, Keziah Holmes, and Devin Ford were also listed as kickoff returners, so I, I think that's going to be the more traditional route that Penn State eventually moves on going with. Uh, the other notable thing on the depth chart, at least initially, was seeing uh, kicker Jordan Stout uh, listed as the top kicker, as well as the top field goal kicker, and the top holder. Now, again, I'm not going to overreact to this. He could very well be uh, holding kicks at some point in time, but I don't think that he's going to be holding his own kickoffs. I know we had a lot of fun with that as well. Or I'm sorry, his, not, he's not going to be holding his own field goal attempts. Although I don't think there's any rules that say you can't do it, so I would like to be able to see if that's possible. But but no, that's just one of those depth chart things that uh, it's kind of listed there. You know, it's an option, I guess, uh, but I don't think that that's going to be anything to really write home too much about. You know, looking around the roster, of course, you know, one of the first things you'll notice is Sean Clifford listed as a starting quarterback. I don't think there's any real surprise there. He was a starter last year, uh, even when he got banged up and down the stretch. And, you know, we saw what Lil Levis was able to do. Uh, I still figure, you know, Sean Clifford's going to be the guy. He started for the bowl game. He's going to be the starting quarterback going into the season, barring any under uh, unforeseen changes here. Uh, at the running back position, which we saw a lot of growth out of last year, uh, Journey Brown is currently listed as a starter, followed by Noah Kane, then Devin Ford, then Kazai Holmes and Tank Smith uh, to round out the, the initial de- spring depth chart. But I'm not going to get too carried away with breaking down the rest of this because, as I've said before, there's no spring practices. There were no, no spring game. I would imagine that there's a lot of room for potential changes between now and whenever the actual start of the season is. Once these new coaches get a chance to work with the, the players that they're going to be working with and really evaluate everything that they have on the field, on the practice field. Uh, so this is just kind of something to put out a general idea of where Penn State could be going, but there's a lot of room for changes between now and the start of the season based on the fact that there was no spring practices. So I'm not going to get too carried away with that. We will certainly take a look at the the depth chart when we get closer to the season, once we have a better idea of who the actual starters are going to be. But if you have any questions about it, feel free to drop them on Twitter at any time, at LockedOnNittany. We can certainly run through different uh, position groups as we move forward and kind of uh, share some reflections. And we probably will end up doing that anyway. But let me know if you have any specific questions and maybe we can address them on Wednesday's episode. We don't know exactly when the 2020 college football season will begin. Hopefully it will still begin on time as far as I'm concerned, but we do know that there is a possibility that things could be adjusted. But we're going to shove that off to the side this week because we are going to take a look forward to the 2020 college football season for the Penn State Indy Lions as if everything is going to go as scheduled 
as planned on time. Now, one thing that I recently did for Athlon Sports was put together the schedule analysis for Penn State's 2020 season. That is currently available online right now on athlonsports.com. I will share that link on the Twitter feed and on the Facebook page so you can check it out in full. But we're also going to talk about it throughout this week's podcast, beginning with today's episode. There are 12 games in the regular season. We have three episodes this week, so we're going to break every episode down with four game chunks and taking a look at the schedule in pieces. So today we'll begin with the first four games on Penn State's schedule, and of course that's going to include all of the non-conference matchups. There are three non-conference games this year. Two of them will be played at home, one of them will be played on the road, and we will also get our Big Ten opener in today's opening segment. So We know that Penn State is going to open the season in week one against Kent State on September 5th. Now, Kent State is a team that maybe won a few more games than they were expected to last season, but ultimately this is not a viable threat for Penn State. But I do think that there is a pretty decent possibility Penn State could come out looking a little bit shaky, maybe a little bit out of sorts for that season opener, and maybe that gives Kent State a little bit of momentum early on, thinking that they can play the spoiler role in that season opener. I don't think that that'll ultimately be the case, and I certainly don't think that that'll ultimately be a, a real serious threat for Penn State, but I do think given the the unique situation with this offseason, the new coaching staff, I do think there's a realistic possibility that Penn State could come out looking a little bit shaky to start the game. Maybe there's some nerves early on and you're trying to calm things down and they will eventually calm down. I think I think Kent State is very capable of keeping things close for a quarter and maybe think keeping things a little bit more tense than you would like to see in this particular matchup. But I do think that Penn State, without you know getting too creative, is going to be able to put their foot on the gas pedal and really put Kent State in the rearview mirror relatively early on and never really have to look back with too much concern the rest of the way. This is a game where I don't think Penn State should be throwing out too many trick plays or anything like that or you know showing too much of their playbook because they have a big game coming up the next weekend on the road against Virginia Tech. This is the first matchup that these two programs will ever have had, and I'm looking forward to it. I think Penn State getting a chance to go down to Blacksburg, play in Lane Stadium, that is going to be a unique experience. And I do think that there will be a good number of Penn State fans, but that is going to be a pretty tough environment because I think Virginia Tech is going to be really looking forward to that game at home. I'm sure their fans will be rowdy. We've seen what Lane Stadium can potentially be as an environment. And I don't know what time that game is going to kick off. I think it's a prime time worthy game. And I think if you get that game in prime time, that makes things a little bit more intense. And I think it makes it a little bit more intimidating, I think, for Penn State going into that environment. But this is a program at Penn State that goes on the road and plays in tough environments uh, like Ohio State. If they can go on the road and play at Ohio State, they can go on the road and play at Virginia Tech. I I think uh, that's going to be a really fun game. I think uh, Justin Fuente, I believe in Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech in becoming something that can win consistently in the ACC Coastal Division. Still got a long ways to go before they catch up to Clemson, but I do think that even with the uh, the roster turnover that they've been going through, I think with some of the development they have with some of the younger players, I fully expect that Penn State will be the favorite in that game, but this is a game that I could potentially see Penn State dropping and coming home with a loss in. 
I'm not ready to say that this is a game that Penn State will lose, but uh, I would probably still lean more towards Penn State winning this game and getting off to a 2-0 start to start the year. But I do think that this is going to be a really good challenge. And I think it's a really good challenge for this Penn State team to go on the road, get a good early road test against a good quality opponent. And if they can take care of that business, then they're going to be in pretty good shape for the forthcoming schedule. Now, whatever happens in week two, September 12th at Virginia Tech, Penn State's going to come home and they're going to get a win because they're going to be playing San Jose State, another first-time opponent for the Nittany Lions. San Jose State is not a really good team at all. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, talent gaps on the San Jose team, uh, San Jose State program. The last few years, they are not generally one of the more um, challenger, top challengers in that Mountain West Conference. But uh, this is a game that Penn State should absolutely win, and they should not be uh, looking uh, to have too much of a contest here. The, the Kent State game could start off a little shaky. Uh, we'll see how good of a test that Virginia Tech game is, but this is a game that Penn State should win fairly easily right from the jump. I don't see any reason to suggest that San Jose State comes into Beaver Stadium and puts up a real stiff challenge. So I think that this is a good spot for Penn State, regardless of what happens against Virginia Tech, being able to come home and get a relatively easy contest against San Jose State uh, certainly should assure that Penn State goes into their Big Ten opener with a winning record. And I still think it'll be a 3-0 and record. Uh, still leaning towards that way right now, but that's a that's a good, well-scheduled non-conference matchup to kind of rest a little bit as, as, some of the, as far as some of the key players in the second half and really shore things up a little bit after that Virginia Tech game uh, before you go into your Big Ten opener, which will be played in week four on September 26th against the Northwestern Wildcats. And this is a game that, again, I'm not going to say should scare Penn State because Northwestern certainly had a really rough year last year, but Northwestern is going to be a better team this year. Remember, this is a program that is just two years removed from playing in the Big Ten championship game as the Big Ten West Division champion uh, two years ago. They uh, you know, surprised a lot of people by taking that division crown and knocking off Wisconsin, but uh, I do think they were really beat up last year. They're going to be better at quarterback this year. They've got Peyton Ramsey, the uh, transfer quarterback from Indiana, who's a, a grad transfer, so he'll be eligible this year. Uh, that's a that's a nice little upgrade, I think, overall for that Northwestern offense. And I still think uh, they've got something with the running game. Now, Northwestern's always going to have a little bit of a talent gap on the in the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's not going to change this year, and I think that that's uh, ultimately going to be a big advantage for Penn State. But there's just something about Pat Fitzgerald and the way he gets Northwestern to play. I've said for years, I think he gets so much out of. Uh, the some of the the least amount of talent that he has to work with and and that that sounds disparaging I, I think obviously they're going for a different kind of recruiting class than some of the other schools around the Big Ten are concerned and, and Northwestern does get some better players than some of the other Big Ten programs but uh, there is uh, there is no loss of fight in this Northwestern program. No matter how tough things may be, they are going to make you earn a victory over 60 minutes. I mean, they may get blown out a couple times, but uh, they are not going to give up. So this Northwestern team, I think, is uh, we'll see what happens with them this year. Uh, I still think it's a, a good opening test for Penn State in Big Ten play. Uh, to get through the month of September. Uh, I do think that Penn State has a winning record going into October. And I do think it's a clean 4-0. I'm still leaning that way right now. We'll see how I feel about that Virginia Tech game as we get closer to the season. Maybe I get more of a better sense of what Virginia Tech is going to be this upcoming season. They did get better as the season went along last year, I thought. 
Uh, but this is a Penn State team that should be going into the month of October and a big game in week five on the road against the Michigan Wolverines. They should be 4-0 by the time they get to Ann Arbor in uh, the first weekend of October. But we'll talk about what happens in Ann Arbor on Wednesday's episode as we continue with our next four games on the Penn State schedule in our schedule analysis. Let me know right now what you think Penn State's record will be after the first four games of the season. Break it down game by game if you want, but tell me what do you think they're going to be? 4-0? Yeah. 3-1? 2-2? 1-3? 0-4? Let me know what you guys think. Hit us up on Twitter with your predictions for the first four games. All right now on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. And that will do it for today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much to those of you who have subscribed on your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Spotify. And an even more special thanks to all of you guys who have spent the time to leave a rating and a review of the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. It really does help us promote the show moving forward. It helps us with the placement on those various podcasting apps as we continue to try and grow the show here in 2020. Not a whole lot else going on, so hopefully you will spend your time subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Help us out along the way. Of course, we always want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you send in your questions and your comments at any time about Penn State sports or anything else. Write to us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And if you're into Instagram, we are on Instagram uh, at Locked On Nittany. We will have that Twitch channel up and running in the next couple of days. I know I'm a little behind on that, but we are going to get that running very soon. I'm going to have some fun with that. I'm looking forward to it. So keep an eye out for that. I'll put out the message there, and I'll let you guys know on the podcast when we are live on Twitch as well. Moving forward. Coming up in our next episode, we'll continue to take a look at some of the headlines uh, as far as any recruiting developments that may pop up, if there's more conversation about the depth chart. Again, if you have questions about the depth chart, let us know and we'll talk about them. Whatever you want us to talk about on the podcast as far as that depth chart is concerned. But we will also continue our schedule analysis series as we look forward to the next four games as Penn State goes through the month of October. Should be a pretty interesting segment for the Nittany Lions in the month of October. So make sure you check that out on Wednesday's podcast. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can check out my national college football coverage on athlonsports.com and over on NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. And you can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. So I want to thank you guys once again for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys have a great day, a great start of the week, whatever your situation may be. Hopefully we're helping you get through it with a little bit of commentary and something to keep you distracted from everything going on. But we'll continue to monitor all those situations and see how they impact Penn State moving forward. So have a great day. I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.